You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Hello, everyone. Alan Seiler. What up? And Veronica Daschle. Hi. And Alan, you have some news for us this week. Oh, my gosh. I have some news this week. In fact, I have some news from last week because I completely missed it. On our last episode. So last week we were talking about um, the guy, the director of WandaVision, who was announced that he was going to be director of the new uh, Star Trek movie. And that came out literally like 11 minutes before we started recording our episode. Mm. And uh, in the, as part of that, I, I mentioned that WandaVision was up for 23 Emmy Awards. So that he was having a big day. And I got so excited about that story and about um, uh, Shackman coming into the Trek uh, world that I completely forgot to mention Star Trek's Emmy nominations. Oh, yeah. So we have five this year. Um, Discovery was nominated uh, for Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup, Outstanding Period and or Character Makeup, in parentheses, non-prosthetic, and outstanding visual effects, and both Disco and uh, Lower Deck, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, Lower Decks, uh, were nominated for outstanding sound editing. Okay. So, best of luck, Star Trek at the Emmy Awards. Yeah. Which, to complete that story, I should say when that's being broadcast, but I don't know. So, <laughs> so check your local listings for... The Emmy Awards, which, if I remember correctly, is hosted this year by Cedric the Entertainer, which I think is so awesome. Wow. I'm looking oh, forward to that. that. All right. Um, in story number two, we have uh, some news that has just come out about Section 31, the new, uh, the upcoming spinoff series uh, that will be featuring uh, uh, Captain Giorgio. And there's been a lot of speculation about this show for quite a while now because we haven't really heard anything. Yeah. Um, Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise uh, appeared in a Producers Guild panel discussion earlier this year. And that panel just got released on YouTube like within the last day or so. Okay. And in it, they uh, reveal a little bit of info about Section 31. And uh, the first thing is that they, uh, so it's, it's still happening. Um, and Kurtzman talks about the, pr the progress on it currently. And he says, quote, we actually have a couple of scripts. COVID, frankly, just changed the game for everybody and every show. We were on a very specific schedule that then got thrown completely out of whack because of COVID. Even Discovery Season 4 started many months later than it originally planned. Picard as well. Hmm. Everything got pushed. So we're actually on a great track with Section 31, and I'm very optimistic about it. Okay. Which, that's that's the most we've heard about it for quite a while now. And uh, they actually have some scripts in hand, so that's good. Yeah. That is progress, and that's exciting. Um, well, that's a good point, because uh, to your point, when um, when she left discovery it was pretty much it was just almost all but stated she's coming back oh yeah season. yeah yeah same with oh, yeah. Tyler. and then to your point they literally dropped off the face of the earth and for a while they didn't even say well it's covid it's definitely going to happen as a matter of fact even a little than a month ago i think i even posted to the group that michelle uh, that um that um she had mentioned that she wasn't sure but they told her they were still wanted to do something so what you're saying is is new and good news actually yeah it was, and it was really confusing. Right. And on that point about uh, Giorgio's departure from Discovery, mm -hmm. Michelle Paradise in that in that same panel uh, talked about how they set up the spinoff in season three. And she said, quote, it felt like taking her back to where she began 
was the best way to show how she's grown with our heroes on Discovery, to take her back to a place where she'd have to actually see her original Burnham, the mirror Burnham, and engage with that Burnham and see who she is now in that world. And that world is now something that no longer fits, that she has changed. It felt to us that uh, like it was the best way to show that change was to see it through her own eyes. And then obviously when she comes out of that experience, she's able to recognize not only that she has changed a bit, but that the mirror version of Burnham, I mean, I'm sorry, that the, this version of Burnham is special to her simply for who she is and vice versa. And they also talked about how that uh, scene of the two of them walking through the snowy and icy wasteland was uh, precisely intended to mirror the first scene that you saw in Disco Season 1 where they're walking across the desert. Hmm. So the journey that began with the two of them is now ending on Discovery with the two of them. Yeah. And now uh, Giorgio is, you know, off to new adventures at some point. We have no idea when. Well, good. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm very curious to your point. I'm very curious what they're going to do with that. And it's kind of, it's cool. I have no idea what that, what that, where that's going to go. And that's kind of exciting. Right. Uh, since it's pretty clearly, well, we assume going to be in the time frame in which uh, Giorgio left with Discovery to come into the future, then that means, uh, you know, we'll be back in the, in the time frame of uh, Ash Tyler and mm-hmm. uh, the, the Klingons. And I'm very much looking forward to, and I hope that Mother will be a reoccurring character on Section 31 show as well, as she was in Discovery. They might. I mean, they really could take it anywhere they want. They could take it point. anywhere. That's true. Yeah. And in my third story, uh, there's a brand new Doug Jones interview that came out, uh, I think, today on treknews.net. And he's talking a little bit about Saru in season four. Uh, He doesn't say a whole lot, obviously, because, you know, they're still in production and no episodes have come out. But he does confirm, and this is a spoiler alert, I guess. It's not like that big a deal. But if anybody doesn't want to have any spoilers, turn your volume down right now. (laughs) Saru is still in Starfleet and still maintains his rank. So he's still a captain. Okay. Wow. So you can okay, you can turn your volume back up now, and, and you have not been spoiled. But he does say, um, quote, but where do they plug me in? What's my task, and how do they utilize that? We're gonna find out. Hmm. So that's uh that's an interesting little detail about season four. And I thought this was really cute. Uh, as part of the interview, the last question that he was asked is if he were able to sit down and have dinner with Gene Roddenberry, what would he cook for dinner? And <laughs> what would, what would he ask Gene or say to Gene? And uh, Doug Jones says, quote, I would serve him something that looks like Kelpian food just to let him know <laughs> that I'm taking my role seriously. <laughs> so he says he would make uh, a little vegetarian kelp soup. And uh, he would love to hear his thoughts on the current world situation. Can we get out of this viral threat? Can we get out of the social unrest we've witnessed, especially in the last year and a half? Is there a way out of that, Gene Roddenberry? I'd love to hear his thoughts. So there you go. I would too. Yeah, me too. That's the news (laughs) for the week. Oh, great. Thanks. Except for like a few little stories. Like there was some uh, crazy, you know, old man nonsense that... Uh, Shatner was spouting about how the human race isn't going to survive to actually see a Star Trek future. So, you know, (laughs) Bill being Bill. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we also had some feedback. Uh, Our buddy Bill emailed us directly this time saying, hi, Trekkers. Uh, You may be laughing, smile, which is all I usually ask. But, Alan, I'm I'm with you about the confusion over diction. Did they say synth or synth? XB or XP? Raffi, isn't that a singer for children? I could go on where my memory for the spoken word more normal. I realize that your show could become boring where you explain every sci-fi term with context frequently and some of the Mondegreens, such as synth band, are fun. (laughs) 
So he goes on to say, thanks for being so much fun. I'm weeks behind on podcasts, but I'm happy to make time for yours anyway. Rami Lannisters, even though Game of Thrones and apparently also Picard is too dark for me, I can enjoy that joke. Uh, and he says, uh, due to health reasons, he has to stick very closely to happy, funny content. So thanks for uh, thanks for warning me off of Picard, which may be uh, well done, but not for me. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, well, I hope we didn't Picard? warn you off of it. I think we all enjoyed it to various degrees, Bill. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I can understand needing, you know, content that's a little lighter fare. Yeah. And Picard may be a little bit more on the, you know, darker, more serious side of the spectrum so you know that's yeah. that's cool yeah but thanks for the email seg- bill yeah that's yeah. awesome dude yeah doing anyone- a great segue for our topic tonight harry mudd talk about uh <laughs> going from light to dark that's right <laughs> Uh, and if anyone else wants to email us, you can get it, reach us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us or f- join our Facebook group. We're happy to, to hear anyone's thoughts and reactions to the show or what we talk about. Uh, get, and we'll put your thoughts in the show as well. Keith, you had some uh, This Week in Trek for us this week. Yeah, not a lot going on on this uh, moon landing day. Um, I mean, <laughs> Real life human history, we had astronauts walking on the moon, but not a lot of uh, significant Star Trek history. But there were three things that I found uh, of note, I thought. Uh, One of the first is that on this day in 1973 was born one Roberto Orsi. Okay. This is his birthday. Um, it was really interesting in reading about Roberto Orsi, Orsi, who's not, I guess not, am I correct in that he's not involved with New Trek at all? Is, right. is he, not, is he not at this point, out? no. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and was that his choice, or were there other issues? Because just just reading up on him, seems like a lot of fans really didn't like him for a whole lot of reasons. Then evidently he went on some he went on some Twitter rants at one point in time before the third yeah. movie's going to come out that really upset people. So I, was that his choice, or well, I think he and Alex Kurtzman had to, to battle to the death, and Alex <laughs> Kurtzman came out on top. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can kind of I can kind of see that in some ways. I think that Kurtzman, in my opinion, might be the better of the two to um, to shepherd the Star Trek copy. Anyway, that was today is his birthday, 1973. Another name associated with Star Trek that has um, been with Star Trek for quite a bit is one Mary Howard. She was born on this day in 1957. And for those who don't know, Mary Howard has been one of the producers on Star Trek, going back to TNG, Voyager, Enterprise, and DS9. Um, she's one of those kind of like someone like a Justman who may be an unsung hero. You may not even know who she is. It's like if you don't pay attention to writers, you may not know who Melinda Snodgrass is from mm. TNG, for example. She has been involved with Star Trek for um, for decades now since TNG and has just been uh, really instrumental in the series. So this was her birthday in 1957. And then to go out on kind of a sad note, I hate to say, but James Duhon died on this day. In 2005. Oh, yeah, I know. I hate to go out on a, on a, on a, on a sad note, but I uh, did want to commemorate his birthday because, well, he's Scotty. What else can you say? I mean, yeah. the guy was just great. And and I will tell you this, uh, watching the animated show again today in preparation for tonight's show. Boy, oh boy, did that man do a lot of voices. <laughs> that is the truth. Oh, my gosh. Between him and Michelle Nichols, I mean, my goodness, they were doing so many voices. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the Star Trek history today. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, so we'll take a quick break to promote our e- our fellow ESO Network podcast shows, and then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there. with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. (laughs) Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. 
Do you know how fast you were going? Uh, sorry officer, uh, one episode every two weeks? Two weeks! Did you also know you're carrying a dangerously heavy load? Yes sir, we do. We've got interviews, fight nights, film discussions, Desert Island DVDs, and lots more. I think we've got to take you down to the station. You do not have to write anything, but it may harm the Cosmic Pizza podcast if you do not mention when questioned something you later wanted in the promo or feedbacks. Anything you do say may be used in said feedback. Cosmic Pizza podcast is not about the cosmos or about pizza. All right, so our discussion topic this week, we're talking about Harcourt Fenton Mudd and his two original series appearances, uh, also appeared on the animated series, then made two Discovery appearances and appeared on Short Treks. Now, we were, Veronica and I were watching that, uh, re- sort of re-watching the, well, I was re-watching the episodes this week and then came to find out on Sunday that Veronica had never seen the original Harry Mudd episodes. Like, not even I didn't remember them, hadn't seen them. Like, I genuinely had... <laughs> I had genuinely had not seen them at all whatsoever. Wow. That's hilarious. Veronica, there's only there's only one type of man, Veronica. One type of woman or man. You either believe in yourself or you don't. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a life lesson right there. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and apparently just believing in yourself makes you completely beautiful and made up awesome. and your hair is beautifully quaffed. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Veronica, I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Mud's Women has, uh, there's a lot of different opinions on it. And you, uh, for one, being a woman in the 21st century, but also, you know, a Star Trek fan who's never seen it. What what did you think of Mud's Women? Awesome. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I didn't find it overly sexist. I mean, at the time, they were talking about like, well, I'm gonna. Well, I, I'm here to do the cooking and the cleaning and whatnot. And I was, I giggled a little bit over that because that's not the way it is anymore. And if they had done anything like that now, they wouldn't have said that. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't see how it's sexist at all. But then I also tend to, whoosh, those things just go <laughs> over my head, and I don't even notice them because I'm just enjoying the story. Um, it was a really interesting story, and um, more than anything else, I, I think it was about like the power of positive thought and how if you think this this thing is doing something for you then it'll do something for you whether it's actually doing anything chemically or not uh which i know all too well that how that works (laughs) (laughs) i think it was uh Definitely an old-fashioned mindset then, even because it's it's a Western episode. Yeah, you know, Star Trek originally was a Western in space, and right, right. you know, the this a story of you know someone finding husbands for essentially <laughs> mail order brides and in, in the front on the frontier. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, you know, it's it's just transposed into the twenty third century. Right. So Charles, let me uh, yeah, let me uh, let me do something real quick and turn the tables on you as you do. Sure. Um, what since you chose the topic, what is it about Harry Mudd that attracted you to talk about? I think Harry Mudd's funny. I think he's I fun. I think he's <laughs> an, an element. I mean, you get his sort of character more with later on in the with the Ferengi, but for a long time on Star Trek, you didn't have a whole lot of Harry Mudd type character. Star Trek tends to take itself pretty seriously, and I like that. I mean, what is this like the fifth episode they made, and you've got this sort of uh, con man rogue, but a very charming one and one that's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he's morally dubious uh, more so than <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of Star Trek characters tend to be. Um, I, I think Roger. I think a lot of it is just because Roger C. Carmel is just fun to watch on screen. I think that's a lot of why the character works. Yeah. What do you guys? What do you? Starting off with Mud's woman. What do you guys think? Alan, you, you go ahead. No, you, okay. Because Alan's not as much. <laughs> we're both trying to pass <laughs> it off to each other. This is not going to go well. <laughs> I here's the thing. I I love the front end of the first season of Star Trek, the original mm-hmm. series. So I almost do. anything there is just phenomenal. I love that they were still feeling themselves. I love that. Um, and I've said this a billion times. I love that Kirk in the first half of the first season is not the Kirk that most people know. He's much more serious. And I love that Kirk. You know, he's not the guy who speechifies. So I actually enjoyed it. And to your point, um, I think it can still probably argue that the funniest of all the Star Trek series is still the original series in terms of humor that they brought into 
some of it was the 1960s, that horrible corny humor where they always have to tell a joke at the end of the show and freeze <laughs> and that. But some of it was they just did a little bit more humor than most of the other series. And so to your point, I thought it was I had it was interesting. They brought uh, mud in so early in the first season because you know, th- that thing is surround. It's booking it by stuff like Cormamite Maneuver and what a little girl's made of and right. stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. And I tell you, I've seen that. Sh- I've seen that episode, Muds Women. Honestly, if I've seen it 50 times, it- it's not even it's not even a stretch to say I've seen it 50 times. And I still laugh when he shows up on the pad in that ridiculous 17th, 18th century garb. Mm-hmm. He's like some kind of rake from a pirate ship. He's got the white belt. <laughs> He's got the hat. He's got the almost like a, the, the shirt. He's got the little ear thing, the, the thing hanging off his ear. I mean, he's all but like a pirate from another time. <laughs> and so I thought he was he was he was really funny. I love that they were still calling Spark Spark Volcanian yep. on the and I love that scene. Oh, I know, ah, I love you, that. Yeah, you're part Volcanian, aren't you, Spark? And then, <laughs> and then he and he says, "Ah, oh, pretty face doesn't bother you at all." And what I love too is there's still Spock's character is still being yeah. kind of fix because he is grinning all through this show. And that's what, that's yeah. what I was going to say too is that yeah. it's funny to watch him give the little smirks and, yes. and the comical shrugs and things like that. I, I find that so so amusing. Yeah, like when, when the women appeared on the transporter pad and Kirk is over and over going, Scotty, did you get him? Scotty, did you get him? And you see McCoy and the other and Scotty and they're just sitting there and, and, and Spark is looking and he's looking and he's looking and he's got this little smile. He finally goes, OK, I guess I'm going to answer. And to your point, Alan, about the smirk, when he goes into Kirk's quarters, <laughs> he says, the captain and crew of the transport. Yes. Captain, he, is, he is straight up smiling. Yeah, that was great. I love that. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was a funny episode. All right, Alan, it's you. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so I just don't really care for Mud at all. I think he's, um, I think he's cartoonish. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's uh, humor, but not like, um, I, I think it's humor, but gone too far. Hmm. You know, and part of that is the performance. You know, it's kind of over the top. And, well, sure. and that's fine. No big deal. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just really kind of hate that um, the the greatest mystery in the universe is the beauty of a woman, and <laughs> you know, and 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 these these exotic women walk in, and all the men are just dumbfounded, yeah. and they don't know, and they just stare, and they can't react, and and they're like, you know, oh, it just drives me nuts, and that's kind of a 60s thing, but, you know, yeah. they do it on Star Trek a lot, yeah. and so it, it's just, you know, it's not kind of like my thing, I guess. And, and yeah. I'm not goes, saying it's bad. Yeah. Just not my taste. <laughs> that that kind of, the, the, the men's reactions is kind of embarrassing to watch now. They, they, <laughs> they, 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 they mentioned several times that it's the Venus drug is having some, some kind of effect on right, them. Right. But they, they react like they're like, like you're watching an old World War II movie or something. And the men have been at sea for two years and haven't seen a woman. And, I mean, it's not like they're a, a fully male crew. Right. Like I, I what, a third of the crew is you know, ladies in miniskirts. So you think exa- they're right. accustomed to that. And I'm sorry, but Uhura could dance circles around any one of those <laughs> ladies. True. Yeah, but you got it's funny you guys are echoing the conversation that Kirk and McCoy had. And on another little, you know, it's so funny. But the reason I also like a show like this is because, again, there's, I, you know, it's so funny. All these decades later, I still think also the original series probably pays more attention to detail than any show since. Mm-hmm. Little things like when Kirk and McCoy are talking, um, you see Spock turning around because he can hear them because he's got that super Vulcan hearing. And yes, when they were saying McCoy goes. I don't know why when I, she comes to my room, my scanner goes bloop. And, and McCoy right. kind of looks at him. And then when Spock, when they were talking about, are they really, when it was McCoy says, are they really gem pound for pound? Are they more beautiful than any other woman? And it's so cool to listen to, to watch Spock kind of eavesdropping on the conversation. Um, and to your point, Alan, that's what I guess they were saying is, were they really more beautiful? Or, right. Or you know, was it now? We don't know. Was it the drug or not? I guess it was. I think it was the music that probably got them in. <laughs> <laughs> that almost burlesque bah, 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 bah. every time they walk right right well, well also it comes right back to that thing is they thought this drug was doing something so they were 
projecting it outwards. And when you see a confident right. woman walk in and she thinks she's beautiful and she knows she's beautiful and she knows that everyone else wants her, she just exudes that, whether it's a drug or not. It's just That's kind true. of a, a thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it all the time. <laughs> well, people do. I try. But, but the drug, the actual drug was sparkling. And... Right. Well, the drug was doing something because it was messing up the scanner. But I think that what we found at the end is that the the things that she thought she was getting from the drug was really just her all along. Right. Right. It was just making her radioactive. Okay. (laughs) Looking closely, like a couple of them, their skin looked like it got wrinkled. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which I thought was a little weird. I don't um, think they took the um, completion of the story into consideration. Well, they're they're, they're trying to (laughs) show it dramatically as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we need to move along, though, to the next time Harry Mud returns, which is <laughs> I Mud, which Veronica, you had also not seen I Mud. I hadn't. <laughs> Are you kidding? Wow. No, no I had. I, other than the um, discovery, I had never seen a Mud episode. And I didn't I, even realize that because I just I awesome. knew the name. Yeah. I think this. Have you actually watched awesome. Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's awesome. That's awesome to go backwards and look at that Harry Mud versus the new Harry Mud. Yeah. 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 So, Veronica, what did you think of iMud? I really enjoyed it. The robots were amazing. And oh, God. I loved all the twins, and they were really hilarious. And it was, and, and I loved the, um, comment mccoy made and and he's like spock you'll fit right in here right. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um and i and i really want to know what happened to them after uh, after that, that um where they weren't going to try and get rid of all the humans because they're evil soul-sucking people um they were going to still serve them or something. I, I really want to know what happens to them next. I like that their you plan know? was just to serve humanity. And so humanity will be complacent and not do anything. But I think it would work. Yes. Yeah, right. And I think know, that's a solid plan. You know what? <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Charles. That is, that is such a 60s mindset. Yeah. Because Gene Roddenberry and everybody back then, at that time when technology was taking off, that's what they were worried about. I mean, yeah. you could even look at old Bugs Bunny cartoons where they'd have those little robots that look almost like uh, human hat racks that would run around doing things. And that was a, re- and if you think about Star Trek, so many times there's always a theme of, there's always some episode of Star Trek where somebody's like, well, the ship's computer can take over. Oh, oh no, we can't let the ship's computer take over. Man, yeah. humans yeah. have to do this. And so I thought that that was a good point. Um, and I love what Spock said, eminently practical. And the guy says, <laughs> you, we will take care of, I got to do like Norman did, we will take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because that, that whole premise the most recent time that I've seen that depicted was in Wally, the mm. the Disney movie. Oh, yeah, I mean, and and the the whole movie is about the little robots, and then they finally get onto the the cruise ship with the humans, and they're all like, you know, my six hundred pound life, and they're <laughs> sitting around and they can't function and they don't do anything because everything is done for them. Yeah, and they have become exactly what the people in the sixties were fearing technology would do to us yeah that's true yeah one thing i like about um again original star trek both muds women and i am mud is uh, what were you just saying alan like wally is they still have star trek concepts in them even if they're not that good like in um in muds women to your point this that's what that's what the original series is about is it's still frontier and they're still doing this thing where you got miners out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, even if you think about the original, uh, well, the second pilot where no man has gone before that ore processing plant, they said even the robotic ships only showed up every four years or something to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So to your point about wiving for these, these miners was interesting. And I thought it was also interesting to talk about the, there was a line in, the, in the, that one where Scotty talked about a dilithium crystal was the size of his fist and a million gross tons of ship was running through it. So I thought there were cool kind of science fiction concepts there. And in this one, yeah, what you said with Wally, I think is, is an interesting point because what would humans do if there were a race that did not have evil intent, but just wanted to kind of control them? And also there was, a, there was a point I thought was very interesting what would happen because Spock said, when, when Norman said, we can't let a race like yours out into the galaxy, Spock said, how do you plan to stop with them? So what would have happened mm-hmm. with, you know, with the Vulcans just there and go, well, there you go. I mean, well, I assume they wouldn't try to take over the galaxy. Maybe they would just um, 
take over the lazy humans. <laughs> Uh, and another thing I liked about um, I Mud is the original series, especially they always had, a, especially people like Robert Block is one of the writers. The, um, they always had a thing about what they call the old ones. They love these old civilizations where you wonder where they came from. The uh, the people who built the, the gosh, the Guardian of Forever. You don't know who they are. The people who built another android race and what a little girl's made of. Ruck and Andreas people, they were called the old ones. We don't right. know what happened to them. And I did love that the androids in this thing said that they were originally from the, and from the Andromeda galaxy and a supernova wiped out their home planet. But Andaris was one of the outposts left behind. So mm. even though it's a really silly episode, there's enough science fiction here to make it kind of interesting. And I'm like, Veronica, there were 200,000 androids on that planet. I want to know what happened to them later on, because I'm sure Mud is, well, we know Mud escaped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of Mud escaping, he comes back in the animated form and in, in the animated series and Mud's passion. It, and it's interesting that all three of these episodes are written by the same writer. Um, yeah. And so that you have a lot of, a lot more continuity between these three episodes than you, than you often had in Star Trek. They're just that's directly true. referencing mm -hmm. previous episodes. Yeah, that's very mm -hmm. true. Um, so Veronica, you had not seen Mud's passion as well. Nope. <laughs> well, cause she's never seen Star Trek before. <laughs> right, right. So how did you like Mud's passion? It was a really interesting play off of the um, Mud's women. I feel like okay. If, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. even though I only watched it last night, yeah, because <laughs> it had the with love drug with love drug, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I found it very hilarious with Nurse Chapel and Spock, and how long it took everyone to realize that Spock was not making any Spock sense. <laughs> no, not Christine. No, not Christine. <laughs> like how I, I was sitting there watching it thinking, okay, have you not figured something out by right. now? What? It yeah, was, you, that you was think weird. If you live on like a, a, a any sci-fi show, but a, a starship and someone acts a little strange one day, you'd be like, all right, red alert. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> this guy's right. an alien or under a drug. It's like they didn't have sci-fi. Right. What's going on? <laughs> And you totally guessed that that rock they kept focusing on was actually a rock monster. Yes. <laughs> I saw the picture and the, the first time it panned past it. I was like, that's a rock monster. Yeah, she was really proud of herself. I was. <laughs> Especially How after awesome it panned back like five times to just random yes. rock while they were still talking. How awesome that the... How awesome that the crystals also affected those rock creatures. <laughs> At least that rock creature, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, I don't, and I don't know if it affected them in the same way because you can't really tell if they were fighting more and they just wanted to fight each other because that's what they happened to look at first, or if that's yeah, how they showed their affection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you guys I, think I, of Must Passion? I thought it was. Okay, I think um, after like Veronica's point, after Mud's women to have another love aphrodisiac, you know, drug was a little repetitive. I thought. I agree. Uh, yeah, that was the only thing. I thought that was a little repetitive, and I and I did have to say, me, even as a man, after Mud's women and after I Mud, the kind of sexism here was really it, it, it is of its time. But mm -hmm. we know it would not be written like that because Christine is an officer and literally they turned her into a silly love struck woman who took an experiment, an unknown drug and drugged the fellow officer with the hopes that it would make him permanently love her. Right. Technically, kind of she weird. drugged herself. Well, good point. OK, good point. And, but and, and to be fair, in the first episode, it was the men who were dumbstruck by love. True. So yeah. it's, it's an equal opportunity <laughs> thing here. I'm not saying it's good in any way. Right. These people have been in space too long. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I'm like, cause I'm thinking that lady should be written up for what she did because she basically right. tried to make somebody fall in love with her. But that was just, that was good. Oh, and, and, and to that point, I laughed out loud when all of a sudden officers on a ship have a little sash around their waist where they carry their ID because <laughs> when, when Christine, when she swooned, um, you see Mud pick her pocket, and then he's got her ID card. Yeah, her giant phaser. <laughs> right. I, I was more annoyed that she didn't. It was like two scenes later when she realized her phaser was gone. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> and why is she carrying a hand phaser in sick bay? <laughs> <laughs> 
it, 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 it was okay, but it, it was it was so stupid that I I just had to laugh. Like that weird thing when, when Spock simply lost his balance, and he's like, "Oh, you're such a good friend of mine, Jim." And then they got this really weird look on their face, and they put their arms around each other. I feel the same way about you. I'm like, "What the heck? This is the goofiest thing." I think they probably went as far with that as they could on Saturday morning TV in 1973. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there was a whole tradition back in the 70s of the the whole thing that launched slash fiction, which is fans writing, you know, this person slash this person as right. in relationships, you know, right. or yep. further. And mm -hmm. the 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 Kirk and Spock thing is the original slash. Mm -hmm. And here mm -hmm. we see it depicted on animated screen. So yep. I think it's called right. shipping now. <laughs> no, no shipping is just putting two people in relationships slash was like more sexual in nature and mm -hmm. tended to be uh homosexual yeah oh I didn't I, know I, yeah i have some fanzines i could show you that are of that era because <laughs> stacked, back then there was under his mattress well all i all i know is the 14 year old girls call it shipping so yeah. that they was do my, now that's my true knowledge. and that's just like a lovey kind of thing yeah. you know like I'm glad that they were not using slash then. Well, slash because slash <laughs> people deride it, but there's a, a, back when the people didn't have representation, that was a lot the only mm -hmm. outlet they had for that yeah. was fictional characters. Yeah, that's true. yeah, that's true. But back to the episode, I, I really <laughs> I liked the planet Motherload. I always enjoy the world of the animated series, even if the story is yeah. not great. Me and, too. And I liked Same all the there. alien miners and. Yeah, <laughs> I even yeah, like that there's, there's rock. There's like weird alien rock monsters because you know why not. <laughs> Right. And yeah. maybe one of them is the is the predecessor of Rocky, who we will meet on Prodigy. I know. It's I will, Never mind. I will say I both I both laughed and groaned when um, Mud dropped the crystals. And there was there was a, there was a they vent that looks like a vent in my house. And you saw the vapors just go into it. And then they just started drifting all over the ship. That was hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> and then the fact that they showed Mud with all his bulk move so fast that he grabbed the phaser from Christine's hand. And then she just fell out. And I can't tell what he did to her. She just fell out and he took her hostage. That was how well, that was. She, just so she ain't nothing but a silly old little woman thing. So well, exactly. You know, they, uh, didn't even, they didn't even animate him knocking her out. He literally <laughs> grabbed her hand. He put his arm behind her back. I rewound it. His hand went on her back and she just went, oh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe he had an injector thing in his hand and injected her with it. Maybe. That made her pass out. And good, she went, oh, because there was a stick in the back of her neck. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that you like the Harry Mudd episodes, because you're famously a fan of Ferengi episodes. And these are yeah, like the, so that, the, the, right. the Ferengi wow. of, right. of TOS. Like now, or yeah. in the 90s, Harry Mudd would have been a Ferengi, I think. Yes. Hmm. Most definitely. Interesting point. That's a good point. And one thing I did like about the thing, which I had forgotten, was that the once not only did the drug wear off, but it went the other way. Like Scotty said something, and Mares said, "You fool!" She called him a fool because then it makes you hate the person on the flip side. <laughs> that was kind of right. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good point. Well, then that was all we got of Harry Mudd for a long time until they brought him back on Star Trek Discovery. And Ugh. I think it's it's <laughs> I think it's interesting that originally, you know, for years and years, most of our lives, there was only two mud episodes and then an animated episode that was shorter. And then now you've had him back in two episodes of Discovery plus the shorter short trick, almost doubling the amount of Harry Mud just in the last few years. So what 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 do we think of Rain Wilson's uh, portrayal of Harry Mud? He's a lot got, darker. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I gotta say that I I like the modern mud much more. Okay. Much more. And that's funny because I just don't like Rain Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> really? So the fact that he sold me so solidly on a character that I don't really care for either. Yeah. Uh, to me is a big success. Yeah. And I, I've really, really enjoyed uh, seeing Mud back. Okay. And how about you, Keith? This is funny. I'm the complete opposite. I dislike him completely. Um, and I, I hate to be that guy, but that's but you're not gonna, Harry, you... Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> that's, gonna not the Harry, that's not the Harry Mud that we saw. And no. I like I like the Harry Mud that was kind of a goofy scamp, you know, the lovable rogue. Although in Mud's Women, I had forgotten this when he talked to Kirk about what happened. He said the original captain of that transport ship, mm -hmm. he said, well, he he died suddenly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 
He yeah. might have killed that guy. And then Harry <laughs> Mudd had his name and his ship. Exactly. exactly. He is not just a rogue. Yeah, yeah, so he might be a little darker than I thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was perfectly happy to strand the entire crew of the Enterprise on that robot planet and take off with their ship. Right. Yeah. But but other than the thing about the captain, I never really got the I never got the impression that Harry Mudd was murderous and mm. he didn't seem he didn't seem vicious. Mm. And this new Harry Mudd that Rain Wilson plays, he's vicious, he's cruel, mm-hmm. he's sadistic. I don't like him, and I hate to be again. Well, just to say it, I wish he was somebody other than Harry Mudd. That's right. my only problem. You know, they right. should have introduced him as a completely different character because, like, he killed Lorca over and over. He blew up the ship. He used those crazy dark matter thingamajiggies on people that tore them apart slowly and was painful. And I'm thinking, this is just not the same Harry Mudd. This guy is dark and. Well, yeah, but he really? did that knowing the timeline was going to reset in half an hour. Yep. Yeah, but he also uh, said he was going to sell the crew. Yeah, but also he said he was he was going to sell the entire crew to the Klingons. So I think he didn't care if all the crew had died. Yeah. And and I always thought the Harry Mudd, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for him, but Harry Mudd and Imud, even though he was going to strand the entire crew and steal a starship, he knew that somebody was going to pick him up sooner or later, and they were going to be taken care of by the androids at least. But this Harry Mudd was going to sell the entire crew to the Klingons where he knew they would have been executed. Mm. So I just felt he's too dark for for, for the name Harry Mudd. Well, right. sure. Um, but you can also no. argue that the entire show at that point was a lot darker than, than the original mm. show. Oh, was. absolutely. Like the world of Star Trek was a lot darker in Discovery Correct. than it was in the original series. So, but, but to Keith's point, if you're going mm. to create that character, don't call it Mudd. But I right. liked you know? him as being, I thought he was a great Mudd. I see. I do too. I, I agree with you. Um, so I, you know, but at the same time, it is a very different take on the character, sure. and to the point of it almost being incongruous. Mm. And I yeah. guarantee you that this is exactly the kind of change that we're going to see in Q when he mm. shows up in Picard. Yeah, so, it'll be darker. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. he is not going to be. He is not going to be the jokester. He is not going to conjure up mariachi bands. <laughs> he is going to be. The same degree of dark that yeah. this mud is to the original mud. The only difference is it'll be played by the same actor. Mm. I think you're probably right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I think to me, Charles, even though like here's the thing, I actually to the point I found mud engaging. Um, he, you know, I I didn't find him boring. But I, after watching three episodes of laughing at mud, this mud didn't make me laugh because that was <laughs> what he was all about. And I'm like, well, that ain't Harry Mud. It'd be like if Cyrano Jones came back and was a psycho genocidal murder murderer. <laughs> <laughs> So I just had trouble with him as that. I just I don't like that being Harry Mud now. That mm. was my thing. Well, I, I like I did like him as Harry Mud, and I thought he was a, a breath of fresh air coming into Discovery. Which at that point, you know, I, I've said before, I was very up and down on Discovery in season one. But that series, that three episodes of uh, Choose Your Pain, Lethe, and Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad was until mm. season three my favorite part of Discovery. I thought yeah, those three really? episodes were a lot more Star Trekky, a lot more enjoyable. I mean, mm-hmm. you're dealing with the Klingon war and everything's very grim and murder and things like that for several episodes. Then all of a sudden, Harry Mudd jumps out of a space whale with a time crystal. And it's like, wow, we're watching <laughs> a different show now. This is great. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Choose Your Pain. I liked his little uh, his little pet, Stuart, and uh, that Harry Mudd is just a, a survivor and he'll sell anybody out. Um, and I'd forgotten how much happened in that episode. I always remember the the Klingons and Harry Mudd and forget all about the rest of the discovery plot that was going on but there's actually a lot going on in that episode including the introduction of ash tyler right Um, right 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 and then i I thought it was a lot of fun and you know i enjoy lorca i like that it focuses on lorca and gets him away from the ship man i agree lorca was phenomenal in that episode yeah yeah he was good yeah and then magic to make the sanest man go mad they're having Mm -hmm. a, a party there's yeah you know just there are people having a good time on discovery which is nice to see right and uh and i really love that he's got that weird goofy andorian looking space helmet on (laughs) i loved that so much (laughs) i really enjoyed that episode uh it put me you know squarely in mind of the tng episode um that keeps repeating the time loop and it's a groundhog day episode right exactly um but uh, you know 
I really, really enjoyed it. And yeah. I loved uh, seeing a new, a different side of the crew, particularly mm-hmm. Tilly. Yeah. Um, she was a whole, like almost different person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cause you're seeing her, you know, cause she is so serious about her Starfleet career at that point that you don't see her being silly. Mm-hmm. And, and she's in a set- setting now where she's just totally let go. Um, I, so I really enjoyed that. And I thought the, the time loop aspect of it was used very cleverly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remembered there being more of a development of the interest of Burnham and um, Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler. Well, we yeah. skipped an episode because Lethe's in between and they're on a mission right. together. Oh, I thought you said it was the next episode. Well, no, it's the one it. after Lethe. It's, it's the next episode with Harry Mudd, but it's two episodes after Choose Your Pain. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense now because I was very <laughs> confused about why they just suddenly were talking on the ship and now they're great friends and now she has a crush on him. And okay. Well, you know, they're both pretty hot. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they attract each other. And he had these crystals, see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But the Probably. Probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to find myself. I have forgotten what Stella looked like. When I saw Stella, like, yeah. that's not what Stella looked like. I know. That was. But, but again, you can't do the. The 60s yeah. version of right. Stella, and it'd be believable to a modern audience. Unless he wore her down in the next 20 years, my gosh. Well, I really like that. You know, he he's in love with Stella, and she's so great here. And when mm. we're seeing him here in the prequel time frame, yeah. Um, and not his portrayal of her as an old shrew is we never saw Stella. We saw exactly. Harry Mudd's interpretation of Stella. Exactly. Uh, but I, I I thought Stella and her dad were a great addition to the mythos that mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Uh, she's she was different from what I expected Stella to be. Well, same here, and I think that was part. That that had to be on purpose because course, you're right. Yeah. I'm expecting the you good for nothing thing thing. I'm expecting that with a right. strange hairdo that she had and all that kind of thing. So that was different. <laughs> I did think that to your point, uh, choose your pain. I had forgotten. You're right. That that's a that's an incredibly complexly written show. There was a lot going on. Then the yeah. whole thing. With the tardigrade, and there was yeah. the whole thing where Burnham was arguing with Saru, and he got pissed off at her because he's like, "I basically, I told you not to be. Basically, we got to save Lorca, and we can't be worried about whether this thing is. Well, he basically said, if, if it is sentient, I'll take the responsibility for whatever happens to it. Yeah. Which I thought, and I forgot. And uh, yeah, this is the point with um where they uh, actually figured out that they could inject the tardigrade DNA into a human, and that all mm. that. That kind of stuff came up as well. So there was a lot going on uh, in that episode. I thought was pretty cool. I, I did love the line. It has nothing to do with mud. I love the line when basically Harry Mud was looking confused, and Ash Tyler said, "Getting out of here was always a two man job. I just had to wait for the right man." <laughs> I thought that was, that, yeah. was, that was pretty cool. And uh, and um, I think it was Alan you mentioned about Lorca. I think I said before this is so weird. I actually like Lorca. I love. Yeah, Which is I weird. Like I, sh- I shouldn't, but I like him. There's something about him I like, even though we found out his true origins. Well, I like uh, him up until we find out his true origins. Right. Right. Because right. Right, he's right. a rat after that. But yeah. yeah, he had an edge to him that I kind of liked. It's kind of like Into Darkness Done Right in terms of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little darker than the standard spit and polish people. Yeah. So I did like that. I thought that was, um, what was that thing that Harry Mudd had, that creature? Was that a some spider? Kind of little, like a bug, like some kind of space bug. Yeah. 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 Which, a yeah. sentient space bug. Yeah. But you, okay. you know, you're in a t- tough shape if you're training a bug to pick off crackers off the floor to bring to you food. <laughs> 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 tough time. Right. Veronica, what did you think of Rain Wilson as Harry Mudd? I, I enjoyed him a lot. I mean, now that I have actually seen the original Harry Mudd. <laughs> um, Compare and contrast. <laughs> the, the original seemed more smarmy. And this one seemed more devious. Right. Yes. Agreed. I think sure. that was the the word wording difference. Um, mm. But I I still could see the character in both of them, mm. um, just because they were out for themselves, whereas the earlier one was tricking people, um, and this one was trying to also trying to trick people, but uh, because there was a war going on trick people involved oh i'm going to sell you out and get you killed mm-hmm. right right the the, the early harry Mudd was a snake oil salesman the new one was what may sell people 
yeah. uh, very, very different kind of guys. Well, then we he, we had one more appearance of Harry Mudd uh, that focused on him in The Escape Artist, which yeah. was Mike McMahon's first time writing for Star Trek uh, mm-hmm. for television, which I think is notable, which I like a lot. I like I think The Escape Artist is great. I think it's probably I, the better than the others. I agree with you. And I think it's the uh, absolute perfect balance between the 60s mud and mm. the modern mud. I think yeah. that it it really bridged the gap as far as the characterization goes. I think it really did a great job of of you could see the original mud in that role, in that in that situation. Yeah. So I, I really thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I, I agree so too. Yeah, it was it weird had, that had all it. the that all the short tracks they told you up front you know, the short tracks are going to like lay seeds for the upcoming season. And mm-hmm. they all kind of like played out exactly in season two, except for that one. Mm. There was nothing that I, that I remember. But at the time I was like, I kept watching as season two was opening up. I was like, so where is mud going to come out in this whole thing? And he never did. So I wish you would. I would like to see more mud. Yeah. And I'm surprised as, as big as Rain Wilson is. I mean, he's he's famous, but not too famous. I'm surprised there's been no yeah. talk of of bringing him back for like a Star Trek mud because I would watch hey, Star Trek mud. Section 31. <laughs> he could hey, be I, in 31. That would be uh, him and Giorgio. I would watch. Well, that. I don't mean he could be in 31. I just mean he would show up in the series. But well, yeah, be, I think that would be amazing. I could do a buddy cop show. I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Right on. Bad cop, bad cop. I love right. it. <laughs> And I, I like that you, you even had a, a shot of one of one of the alternate muds or one of the yes. robot muds had the little cuffs on his um yes had that jacket you know with yeah the, yeah, yeah I don't that know what so those good. tassels are called but yeah I thought it was great. oh yeah. yeah that's right I forgot about that that's a good point oh yeah I love that kind of a callback to the original mm-hmm. uh, uniform well yeah. the second one that he was wearing an I'm an uh, I mud <laughs> yeah I forgot about that. I was going to talk of the cudgel. I don't even, I never even heard of a cudgel before, but it's a funny word. <laughs> never heard of the word cudgel before? I don't think so. Really? You know about cudgels? Yes. Okay. You don't read enough fantasy. That's <laughs> you never saw a Harry Mudd episode. Who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was watching Star Trek at that time. <laughs> cudgels and, and uh, cudgels and saps. Old okay. school. Yes. For hitting people. Yeah. Okay. But a sap is different. <laughs> yeah. A cudgel yeah. is like lumpy and a sap can be like is usually like a one solid piece we're going yeah a, a sap is what cops used to carry back in the day and yep. knock people oh. in the head yep yeah quite a, quite a bit so i agree with you. i thought i agree with you i think that i think that of all the mud episodes um other than mud's women which i still like i thought that one was probably the the, the better the best of the bunch it had a, had a good balance to it mm. i have a i have a strange fondness for mud's women even though it's got so many issues but i i like this one so maybe the bookends are, are good and you, and you know what? Mud's women, because it's so early in Star Trek, the cinematography mm-hmm. is so great. The direction yes. is so great. The camera yes. shots, the, the camera movements like they have so much more yes. time, I think, than they had in later episodes. I'm so glad you said that, because I meant to mention that when I was yeah. rewatching it, I was I was really I mean, I haven't watched like season one in quite a long time. And I was mm-hmm. really kind of like bowled over by mm-hmm. the. The, the strangeness of the camera angles that yeah. they really got some, especially in some of the close-ups, some of the character close-ups are at weird angles. And I thought yeah. it looked so interesting. And you had yeah, that, like, like that one mm-hmm. shot where it cuts from, you know, from Eve holding the drug to Spock holding the crystal. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot. It's Absolutely. Just, very well done. And I agree. I agree. first I'm... half of season one is like that, where you yeah. just have, because uh, they had more time, I think. And they, they you have yeah. more time for shot composition and cinematography. Mm-hmm. Great cinematography, great music. And to your point, that, that shot when Kirk was on the bridge, it was almost as if it was on a dolly. And then mm-hmm. they did some other cool things, like the conversation between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and Mud's women, where they were talking about making for the Rigel Colony. To your point, they had the camera way up in their faces. They, they, they did a lot of those tight shots that yeah. I like. So I thought that was pretty good. And then they, and again, I, I'm all about the details. I, they, and they, they were doing things in that show that I still love from the original series. I love the way Spock was much more of an executive officer at first. And he oh, became yeah. Later. Like yeah. Kirk would do the thing that captains do where he would tell Spock to set course. <laughs> and then Spock would tell the narrator to set course. And it's so funny because they're all in the same room together. Right. Exactly. could have just said, dude, warp. But he, instead he says, Spock, tell that guy to do this. And Spock says, <laughs> guy, <laughs> do this. That feels more that military, though. It that, does. It really Absolutely. Does. Absolutely. And I, thought- I think that script was very well written and that it mm-hmm. continually ramps the tension 
incrementally as the show goes on, uh, you know, they're, there's never a point where they're out of danger and you really, I think, feel that they're out on the frontier. I mean, you've, you get a yeah. crack in your lithium crystals and you might not, might not make it back, you know, it right. could be right, a desperate right, right. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And also they did some cool things like extending the shields around the ship. I don't know about y'all, but I, I was watching the, um, I was watching on Netflix and I yeah. was the remastered yeah. and I stopped it and I went and found the original unremastered on mm-hmm. Amazon. I watched that one. And I, I, I kind of I prefer the unremastered. So I actually watched that and I enjoyed that. Of course you do. I, I do as yeah. well, but I do like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I like the unremastered version also better. Uh, but I do like the little things like they say there's a ship on the view screen and there's actually a ship on the view screen. Which <laughs> you, mean instead of a, you mean instead of like the little the little blinking light, the right. blinking light that they would show? Right. Well, the old edge of our sensor range. Trick. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, well, last me, thing. Last thing that you said, Charles, you said censor. I love, love, oh, yeah. love how Spock kept saying, state your name for the record. I love that <laughs> he'd say record and censor. And then when he talked about the computer, can it read our minds? And then it says, and I actually stopped and read the screen. It literally said what the computer said was Harry Moe was sent to, sent to psychiatric evaluation. Effectiveness yep. was disputed. Right. <laughs> and that's great. another little detail. And one of the ways that the original series was more progressive in some ways than later treks mm-hmm. is that i mean not 100 percent consistency but a lot of the time there's not prisons and jails and hard time it's you know you're you're sentenced to treatment for your crimes mm. for psychiatric <laughs> care um yeah. which in the case of harry mudd you know didn't work oh <laughs> <laughs> well, any other closing thoughts about harry mudd or any of these episodes i i enjoyed doing this recording with you guys Oh, with all of you, because I, I was not looking forward to it. Um, and when I when when we said let's do mud next week, I was like, uh, but I enjoy I enjoyed the discussion much more than I thought I would. So oh, thank good. you all very much. Well, I appreciate you joining us as well, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, you know, you may have given me a new appreciation for the character. Okay, good. Good. There you go. Anybody else? Yeah, I think what you said, Charles, is right on, which is, and I still think it's debatable. I still think that the original series had more humor spread throughout the 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 uh, the, the, the original series. I think had more humor spread throughout its seasons than any of the other series. And Harry Mudd reminds us that it's sometimes fun to just laugh. Um, yeah. I think the amount of the amount I laughed at Mud and Discovery is not as much as the amount I laughed at Mud in the original series and animated series. But it's kind of cool sometimes. I love when Star Trek does humor because when done right, humor the, the humor is great. It breaks it up. And so I, I like Harry Mudd just like I like Cyrano Jones. And I love characters like that. Even when they're not done well, like that animated episode may be grown, but I laughed all the way yeah. through it. Well, so well I do just, like- just remember, they mm-hmm. all have exactly the same amount of humor. It's just that one of them is spread over three seasons and the other ones is spread <laughs> over seven seasons. So Good point. It's the same amount of butter, but it's a bigger piece of toast. <laughs> I love that analogy. Uh, we're going to have to, I'm going to use that somewhere. Same amount of butter. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say that I, I didn't find the absurdity stuff in I Mud as funny as I did when I was 12. But <laughs> I, I will say I'm, that I'm I find it that, actually. <laughs> a lot more entertaining than the way they defeated the uh, Android City in Picard, where they just ran in and started kicking people. You know, I, <laughs> right. I really enjoyed uh, right. watching that a lot more. So um, maybe they should and, have tried that. In and at least there's no space daisies in, in the Mud episodes. <laughs> this is true. Good well, point, you Charles. don't know. You didn't see any spaceships. They may have them. <laughs> Good point about the thirty, Charles, because when Spock was throwing the invisible stuff and they hit the invisible bomb and Chekhov started jumping, they were going, hi, hi, hi. I was like, oh, my God, I used to laugh at this. It was it was groundworthy. <laughs> I, I would have liked to see the, the, the scene of them planning the plan. They're like, all right, now you're yeah. going to say a limerick, but make sure you say it like a robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Anything is true. You, Final thoughts, Harry Mudd? I'm not programmed to respond to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Perfect. Alan, where can, where can people find more of you on the internet? Um, let's see. Uh, I am at cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. Okay. And you can find that on Facebook um, group and uh, page and uh, and on uh, Hulanta. Yay. That's it. Okay. And how about you, Keith? on instagram and on facebook on all the eso network groups 
And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Feltnerdy.com. Oh, nope. I almost got it. <laughs> nope. And in, and in case that's not clear to the audience, feltnerdy.com. That's right. In case I ruined, you know, clarity. And then we'll also be at Dragon Con. Uh, we'll all be at Virtual Treklanta coming up very soon. That's August 7th, I believe. No, 15th? No, I think it's the seventh. I think you're wrong about that every time. Why? Well, I, I have. The 15th. I still have that date on the calendar. Well, I know. We can we can totally go to Star Trek Las Vegas I'm, though, because now they don't conflict. It's, it's August the seventh. Okay, great. Okay, we can go to Star Trek Las Vegas. This I don't year. think we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> All right. Did you have a closing for us, Veronica, or was that it? That was it. Okay. Oh. It, was be- it was before. It was before we did the outro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not programmed to do an outro. <laughs> All right. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.